Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. From the newsroom at Eater, I'm Amanda Clute. And I am Daniel Janine. And this is Eater's Digest, a show about all things food and dining. With a little help from the biggest names in the world of food and the journalists here at Eater, we try to understand what's happening right now in kitchens, restaurants, and dining rooms around the world. Today on the show, Daniel, we are talking about holiday-themed bars. Yeah, we sure are. Um, They are everywhere. They are everywhere. Here's the thing. Go on. Okay. We are just both itching. I know. We both have a lot to say about this. I want to talk about holiday bars. Go on. I think this is a phenomenon that pops up in your town and you think, oh, that's cute or funny. And you do not realize that it's actually this orchestrated thing that's happening all across America. Yeah. That's why I want to talk about it, because I feel like we have a bird's eye view having a network of sites all over America where we can see like, oh, my God, we're writing about this in Portland and Atlanta and Boston and New York and L.A. You expect your local bar to maybe put up some mistletoe Uh or something. But in the last five or 10 years, I'm saying the same thing, but that's fine yeah. because uh-huh. you know what, Go we're agreeing it. with each other. Yep. In the last five or 10 years, you've started to notice a more like more, a more elevated cocktail experience. Oh yeah. And what is crazy about it is, you know what? We're always obsessed with conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and there is a conspiracy theory There's a here. puppet master pulling the strings. And there, all of these cocktail bars that we seem to be writing about, or at least the first ones mm-hmm. in all these different cities are coming from the same guy. The same guy. And we have him coming on the show. His name is Greg Boehm. We're unmasking but him. But before we talk to Greg, we're going to talk to Beth McKibben, our editor of Eater Atlanta, because she has seen a huge swath of Christmas and holiday theme bars pop up in Atlanta. And just how busy they are. Oh, my God. They're, all, they're all packed. And after that, we are going to get into the biggest stories of the week. Yeah, we are. We're going to run through them, line them up, and knock them down. Yeah, we are. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Beth McKibben from Eater Atlanta, I noticed that you have a good number of Christmas-themed bars in town. Oh, yeah. How many do you have? What's going on there? Right now, right now, we have 12. Mm. And this is up from eight last year. It's kind of ridiculous. When did this start in Atlanta? Well, the first... The first bar that we had here was Miracle, which is about four years ago. It was called Miracle on Monroe. And it was brought here by two local bar owners, um, Eric Simpkins and Darren Carr. Uh, I believe Eric used to work at Clover Club uh, up in New York. um, So he had some connections up there. And he absolutely loves Christmas. And (laughs) <laughs> so he brought the bar, he talked with the, with the owner of the restaurant, brought the bar there, it was, it was a big enough space. And four years ago, it exploded. I mean, there were people waiting in line for two or three hours. Some of them never got in. Wow. I mean, it was just this weird thing that Atlanta had never seen before. He's brought it back again. By that second year, there was then a second Christmas bar 
um, which was part of a tiki bar out uh, in Decatur, which is just east of Atlanta. And they, of course, you know, decked themselves out in surfer tropical uh, holiday, you know, fun things and surfer Santas and just it was over the top. And we have a ski house and we have ice skating on the rooftop of Pond City Market with igloos and we have a Santa's bar out in like, you know, Peachtree Corners, which is north of Atlanta. We have a Christmas story bar up in Marietta, which is um, uh, on the western side in the suburbs of Atlanta. I mean, it's just it's it's almost it's borderline ridiculous. And you feel like Miracle was the thing that proved to all these other bar owners that it was a good move to convert for the holidays? I definitely think that. And actually, I talked to a couple of bar owners about why they chose to do one. And they both kind of said, we saw this because, you know, the success that Miracle had those first couple of years and how many people were waiting in line to get in. And we thought, you know, this seems like a good idea. It's fun. It's an escape from reality for a little while. We're going to make a little money. I mean, and they just went for it. I mean, and so we went from having two to having 12. How does the coverage do on your end when you're writing about them? Are the, are the, are the posts doing very well? Oh my gosh. Yes. I mean, all, all eyeballs are on these holiday bars. I mean, they are just, <laughs> it, the comments, I mean, people are freaking out. They're like, we need to plan. I have one reader who was like, can you put the crawl together for me so I know where to go and what time to be there? And I'm like, good Lord. I mean, it is, <laughs> it is Lord. just nuts. Do you think it, it does better in Southern states? Well, I mean, the weather definitely helps because a lot of these places have outdoor patios that they've also kitted out for the holidays. Uh, so, I mean, mm -hmm. people are out there under the lamps and everything else. But I do, I do think that, you know, I thought about, well, why is Atlanta so holiday bar crazy? And one of the answers that I kind of kept coming back to was the fact that so many people, you know, who live here are not from here. Uh, we have people from all over the United States that come here for technology and creative uh, jobs. And so there are people from, you know, all over, including all over the world. And so a lot of people are away from their families. And I do think that these bars kind of spark a little nostalgia in people and it gives them a little bit of comfort. Do you have any crazy stories of people uh, waiting in line or, or getting wild? Yeah, I did see somebody dance on a bar. Do people dress up? Oh yeah, I mean, I've people come with their ugly sweaters. Mm. Last year there was somebody dressed as Santa Claus. I mean, it it's just I think it's just it's kind of like Halloween. They they just people just want to dress up and be silly and who cares? Kind of, you know, throw their cares away for the evening and just drink crazy cocktails and eat, you know, gingerbread cookies and <laughs> It's been <laughs> it's been really really interesting watching this. It's a phenomenon. Wow. Well, Beth, thank you so much for uh, for taking the time. Well, um, th thanks we'll keep, for having we'll me. We'll keep an eye out over here, but I'm sure, you know, we've got, doesn't seem like New York is. No, I think ground zero is Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> ground so zero. So enjoy it. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on. So Amanda, it seems like from the, uh, from at least the Atlanta story that this miracle company started this craze. Oh, and yeah. We actually know that Miracle was founded by a guy named Greg Bohm who is uh, in very involved with the New York bar scene mm -hmm. and has a company called Cocktail Kingdom, has a few bars. So uh, we invited him into the studio to uh, see if we could figure out how Miracle started and just how big it's got. We have Greg Bohm, founder and CEO of Miracle Company and Cocktail Kingdom. Greg, welcome. Thank you for having me. So you have a business called Miracle. 
kind of obsessed with it because I I read the headlines across the Eater Network every single day. And I started noticing this last year and even more so this year where every city that we have, there's some headline around now where they say, here are all the pop-ups, the Christmas pop-ups that are coming to bars around the city. It's in Nashville. It's Detroit. It's New York. It's everywhere. And they're all franchising from you. A lot of them are. Most not of them. Many of them are. We've been some doing this. It's our sixth knock, year now. So, yeah. Um, and I remember yeah. when you started this in New York, but can you explain what Miracle is, how it all came to be? Absolutely. Um, about six years ago, I bought a bar in New York called Louis 649. Uh, which is a small cocktail bar in the East Village in Alphabet City. I love that bar. And um, right when I bought it, we were going to do construction in December. My mother was traveling in Tibet and had an idea. And when she got back to Hong Kong, she called me by mistake at like 4.30 in the morning (laughs) and said, stop, do not do construction in December. Open a Christmas cocktail bar and do construction in January. Hmm. And I hung up because it was 4.30 in the morning. (laughs) Uh, But the next morning, I'm like, wow, that's a really good idea. Yeah. And so that's how it all started. And then my mom got super nervous. She's like, but you never listen to me. What if nobody shows up? So we started one uh, with one location, which uh, later became the Bar Mace, which Mm -hmm. is now moved. And then uh, the second year, we had four locations. Basically, a couple friends Mm -hmm. of ours got in. Explain what a Christmas bar is. So Miracle is first and foremost a cocktail bar with delicious cocktails. Mm -hmm. And then we decorate and we decorate some more and we decorate some more. Um, so it, and I've been working on the playlist for five years just oh to God. tweak it. What sounds good? Cause mm-hmm. what, there's some great Christmas songs that don't really resonate in a bar environment. Right. right. So essentially miracle becomes a Christmas experience. Mm-hmm. And I think over other people doing other sorts of, uh, Christmas things, we get to use all the senses cause sure. we also get the sense of taste as mm-hmm. well as they smell good and they look amazing. They sound amazing. So what did you do to the first one? The first one was just kind of a ragtag um, thing where we just started, uh, we were about to do construction, so mm-hmm. we used a lot of staple guns and just started stapling things to the wall. And Mistletoe, and everything. what yeah, kind of stuff? A, a lot of paper products just stapled to the wall. We did a little Hanukkah hideaway as well, <laughs> so you. that was just like blue and silver. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, some old dusty Santas we found. It really wasn't Are the bartenders in costume? The bartenders wear Christmas hats, and they wear a lot mm-hmm. of sort of ir- often like irreverent sure. Christmas t-shirts uh-huh. and things like that. So you found that the bar that you eventually wanted to renovate, like what the bar looked like normally, didn't matter as much when you're doing a holiday cocktail. Yeah, pop-up. aesthetically it doesn't matter because you're covering almost every right. possible surface right. with something that is glittery mm-hmm. and red or green. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did matter the first year that we only had one well, and luckily our one of our bartenders was like six foot four or five, yeah. so he was working over a sink, so we had to reach the bar. Oh, wow. um, now, in that same space, we have two fully right. functioning wells. Uh, but yeah, it was interesting because it was actually... It, it was fun and people were really happy, but day three, we're like, wow, this is going to be right. more than we expected. So it was immediately a hit. Yeah, it was. And uh, one of the reasons I wanted to start the franchise is because you have to be ready for your success. And right. we now have a whole plan on uh-huh. what to do, when to do it. Before be we ready. get into that, can mm-hmm. you go back to, so year one, huge success, and you're like, let's do a few more of these. And how did you expand it out from there in year two? Uh, so year two, a couple friends of mine wanted to uh, do uh, a pop-up 
based on my success. So mm-hmm. one was like in Norwalk, Connecticut, in a rented space. Oh wow! Um, and then also one of the another bar I own called Boilermaker on First Avenue and First Street in New York uh, was a little jealous of our success in mm-hmm. this little tiny space. Mm-hmm. So we um, started working on a second concept called Sipping Santa. Uh-huh. Originally called Sip and Santa Surf Shack, but now we're working with uh, Jeff Beach Bumberry. Less S's. Yeah, mm-hmm. just a little. I mean, now I can say it, but it took me a long time to be able to say that easily. So with Beach Bumberry. Yeah, Jeff Beach Bumberry. Uh, so it's tiki themed. Exactly, it's a tiki okay. cocktail Christmas. So, but the first year was just basically things that you could buy from uh, any kind of like decoration store. Absolutely, pop, yeah. Right? It was a lot mm-hmm. of it. Uh, and vintage you, stuff right. off of eBay and things you could get. <laughs> In a store, yes. so you really were just like in in a, in. A, I just want to decorate this place, make yeah. a cocktail. It wasn't like a cohesive thing yet. Correct. It and then, looked ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and then you did the mulled wine. I mean, not mulled wine, but you did some cocktail th- or holiday themed. Yeah, cocktails we created. As well, I was right? already working with Nico DeSoto, who is the beverage director and partner at Mace and a world famous bartender. Right. Uh, and so he created the cocktails for the first year. Okay. Um, so they're very much were like the bar Mace, which are spice based cocktails. Mm-hmm. Right. We just used a lot more nutmeg and cinnamon than <laughs> in our regular menu would use. Okay. So huge success. And, and then, then year two expands to more of your bars and that. Bars and some friends bars. Yeah, two other bars, yeah. And then when do you get to the franchising part? Year three, we went to 17 locations. Oh, my God. And so through, um, so I have a barware company called Cocktail Kingdom. We design and manufacture high-end barware. And through that, I know a lot of bartenders, bar Mm -hmm. owners. And so we expanded to, again, to people we knew, not necessarily people that were like, I knew well. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it just took off. And it was year four when we hit 50 just My over God. 50 locations that it became uh, formal. And right. We had a formal That's when you franchise. turn it into an actual business yeah. where like, this is how it works. Yeah, exactly. But what does it mean to pack? Like, what are you actually selling? So to become part of the miracle uh, franchise, first yeah. of all, we make sure the bars are capable of creating the cocktails, which are fairly sophisticated um, cocktails. And then... They pay a fee to be part of the group. They get our recipes. Um, we have, of course, a certain design style that we share with them. Mm-hmm. They get a full packet on how to make all the drinks, how to execute everything. We handle the PR okay. as well mm-hmm. for all the locations. So you make sure they're on all the lists and everything. Yeah. Okay. So we take care of all that. And what about um, decorations? Are they getting a big care package? So they then buy the glassware and some of the decor from us. Okay. So we design and manufacture God, a lot of mugs. So smart. Uh, this year, the new signature mug is uh, a green ceramic dinosaur with right. a Santa hat on. Oh, man. So uh, they buy their base yeah. that they can reuse every year. And mm-hmm. then you're like, hey, but don't you want to check the out new this signature new signature mug? Yeah. yeah. Oh Especially God. if you want to be on the, s- on the list this year of restaurants with the new signature mug. Yeah. yeah. And well, and also, <laughs> even if they have that, we do repeat the mugs so they can use what they had last year. Mm-hmm. But right. a lot of people buy the mugs. Right. Because they're only available for purchase. Oh, the purchase. customers buy them from the bar. Yeah. So you can sell, they can sell the mugs. So both too. at Sipping Santa and at Miracle, the product is only available at the locations. We don't retail at any place. Yes. Do the bars get a cut of that too? The bars, yeah, they buy it from us and they resell it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so what do they – how does the, the, the financial breakdown of it work? Are you – they're just franchising and then what – or are you getting a percentage of what they sell through the miracle? No, we definitely don't. That's not really legal to yeah. share profits oh. from alcohol sales. So okay. they pay so you the fee. It, there's a fee and then they buy glassware. Can you share the startup fee? 
Uh, it depends. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, and the size it depends of the bar. on the size of the market, the size of the bar. Yeah. And dive bars are probably not going to do it. This has to be a kind, relatively high end. It pretty much has to be a mixology bar. Okay. Uh, or at least you need people there that aspire to be that. Which is actually the reason I started the whole thing or really started pushing it was mm-hmm. because of Cocktail Kingdom. Anything that promotes cocktails, mm-hmm. high end cocktails, or at least just delicious cocktails, yeah. I'd say, helps my core business, which is cocktail manufacturing King. barware, right. Cocktail Kingdom. Do so, you dictate how much they charge for their cocktails, or could it be someone that charges $8, or could they charge $30? Uh, prices definitely vary. Liquor prices vary state by state, yeah. mm-hmm. and we are in 37 states. So you're not so, going to tell them what to do in other that. other countries. Yeah. Uh, but we do suggest what they would cost, mm-hmm. um, and we definitely consider how much they cost to make based on a, a national average of liquor costs. Have Has, has any uh, bar... Because just setting your bar up and mm. putting decorations up in your bar doesn't mean that someone, even if it's a mixology place, doesn't mean that someone is taking a shot at trying to copy Miracle, right? right. But like, have of you heard of, of of bars that are like, we can do it ourselves. We're going to go holiday this year yes. mm-hmm. and then come to you next year and be like, it just didn't work as well for us. Absolutely. What, I mean, what there, goes wrong? There's, I mean, uh, almost everything goes wrong <laughs> in a lot of these places. Uh, essentially, the cocktails have to be created in such a way that they can be made in great volume. Um, we're a PR machine, so obviously mm. they may miss out on the press. Right. Uh, you have to be ready for the success or ready if what to do if you're not as busy as you hope to be. Right. And we really have it you know, dialed in right now and sure. working with us. And also, I mean, same way I've run all my businesses. I'm not greedy. It's not like it's expensive to work with mm-hmm. yeah. Miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only problem can be if there isn't a Miracle or Sipping uh, Santa available in your city because mm-hmm. we only partner – with very few exceptions, with one bar for Miracle and one oh, one, one partner okay. for oh. Sipping Santa. Like if you see that there's so first come three first in Atlanta, three Miracles in Atlanta, that's our same partner uh-huh. who has oh. opened multiple. Okay. Right, right, cool. right. So, so do you choose? You try to choose bars with many locations, or no. do you just whoever comes to you first? No, it's not whoever. We're pretty uh, picky about who we mm-hmm. work with. Right. So yes, it helps if they come to us first. Um, a lot of we also do a lot of outreach. Uh, we definitely we want the top places. We want the the top places. I mean, yeah. this year in Cleveland, we reached out to a bar, a society lounge that I really wanted to work with. Mm-hmm. Right. For example. Right. Okay, so people are coming to you, and you're going out to yeah. people. Because because the cocktail, in a sense, you. In a, in, a, in a way, you your bars become the Miracle Bar. So if someone yeah. has a bad cocktail at Miracle in Cleveland, sure. you never know. They might be like, oh, that Miracle yeah. thing makes chick cocktails. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It does matter to us however it does. And we actually have people that go in and uh, visit the bars. We right. do um, – yeah, we have people that show up and try the cocktails in all the different locations. Yeah. I try to get to as many as I can, but I certainly uh, yeah. Yeah, how get many to... how many miracles and sip and santas do you get to in one season? Uh, last year I got to twenty three. Wow, you're like the most <laughs> festive guy. On the uh, <laughs> I actually really enjoy it. The one thing yeah. that's funny is I mean I am going in to taste the cocktails and mm-hmm. check on the decor. Yeah, and honestly, mostly just make sure I mean the music's right and right. everything I would do with my own bars. Right. Well, you I go in there and, like, get it. behind the bar and, like, change the playlist? I definitely – I don't touch anything, but mm-hmm. I definitely comment on playlists. Yeah, yeah, playlists yeah. have been one of the things. I mean, when I say I've worked on the plays for five years, it's so specific. Mm-hmm. Um, what works, what resonates, what doesn't. What yeah. song um, is just a total bomb? 
a lot, all the Elvis Presley stuff. Really? It's too, so too slow? sad and depressing. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Anything for Elvis Presley, take it off your Christmas playlist if you're playing it at a yeah. bar. Wow. Do, um, do bartenders, if you're working with a lot of the top people, um, do they not want to add their own cocktails to your menu? There can be some ego involved certain places. Um, there are bars that will do one or two mm-hmm. local signature cocktails. That's okay? Uh, that's okay. They have to present our full menu, which is our menu looks like a greeting card. Okay. And um, it always it's well balanced oh, with, yeah. uh, you know, a, this is uh, the menu I have here in front mm-hmm. of me. Right. It you does. Know, there's it a looks stirred like a cocktail and a shaking yeah. cocktail. Always have to have your eggnog. Uh-huh. Sure. Um, Jingle some, bells. Nod. So they have to. Yeah. Part of the deal is they have to present the miracle menu. Correct. And then if they want to offer a couple extras. A couple extras. Although most of our, our most successful locations stick to our menu. Yeah, do it and, our way, uh, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not, yeah, we didn't just happen into this. So the cocktails are developed by right. Nico DeSoto, who I mentioned earlier, and Joanne Spiegel, who actually runs Miracle um, and is a great bartender as well. So in year four, you said you had 50? Or is that year three? Yeah, wait. It goes 1, 4, 17, 51, 91, oh my God. 138. And that those oh numbers God. are combining Miracle and, and Sipping so, Sand. Would yeah. you do a third concept? I don't think so. I think okay. we have it covered. So traditionally, you have Tiki. Yeah. That's it. That what about sense. other, I mean, at this point, you must think, you must be looking for another holiday to capitalize on. No, you. I'm pretty I'm pretty good. I'm yeah. all right. I would have, you do uh, Miracle in July? No. No. No, I think people should wait for it. That yeah. comes okay. up quite a bit. And uh, Oh, really? Think, people are like, can I do a summertime yeah, Christmas bar? I always shut it down. I'm like, let's, let's wait. Yeah. So as uh, you, have a, you have many businesses. You have bars. <laughs> you have, mm-hmm. obviously, Cocktail Kingdom, probably the biggest uh, cocktail supply store. Um, and now this. Is, is it financially interesting to you uh, in of itself, the Christmas or the holiday cocktail bar? Or is it just... Um, a way of building relationships in the different cities and selling Cocktail Kingdom product? Uh, Miracle has become a financial success of its own. Okay. So it started with trying to promote cocktails, whatever's good for cocktails. Yeah. good for me, as I was mentioning before, um, and really trying to get people to come in and experience mixology. Right. But at this point, it's become a financial success and it is a viable business on its own. I'm just curious how like what is the low what's the least you've you would charge a bar? I mean to to the economics are specific, very specific to the bar. Sure. So. Okay, but we're talking like three grand. I can yeah, get it's thousands. It's nothing prohibitively expensive. Right. It's, it's something. It's something uh, they can I, reasonably I get, get into and then they'll see quite it in profit. Literally, it's one day's sales. Okay. Okay. I mean, okay. more or less. More right. or less, it's one, and I don't mean a busy Saturday night. It's like a solid sales for a Thursdays. I would equate mm-hmm. when I'm looking at bars in size. It's essentially what it ends up being. And where do you see it in five years? You just it's just getting to more markets. I'm not sure exactly. I mean, right now we're really expanding into the suburbs. Has been our biggest um, mm-hmm. expansion. And we have a lot of synergy in places where there's a sipping Santa and a miracle near each other. Like yesterday, <laughs> I went to a, a heavy metal show because mm-hmm. there were two bands I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. If there was one band I wanted to see, maybe I would have. Maybe right. I wouldn't have. You Is that true? Think, you having the two. Did you actually go to a heavy metal show yesterday? Yeah, I went oh, and saw shit. Power Trip and High on Fire. All right. <laughs> it um, sounded like, I mean, it's just it's, it's fantastic uh, way of explaining it. So I thought maybe it was one you had. No, no, this is uh, quite literal. So again, in a few years, as you asked, it's it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. I think uh, as long as we keep up the quality and the cocktails are as good as they are, um, we'll continue to expand into smaller markets. And I really, I like markets that don't have a lot of access to delicious cocktails. That mm-hmm. are That's now. tougher, mm-hmm. right? Because if you're not going to 
big city mixology places, mm. it's harder to... You have to find the partner. Harder to get it, the right it's, partner. It, I don't know if it's harder, because you take a place like Waco, Texas, we have a great partner there, and yeah. so, I mean... You Joanna could, Gaines? You could... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, hopefully she'll come by and have a drink. Oh my gosh, I'm sure she'll love it. Yeah, exactly. She'll probably put something up on the wall that says "bar." <laughs> I didn't yes. know it was a bar. <laughs> um, so, I think in the smaller markets, sometimes it's almost easier to find the right partner there's because there's one. There's one. Yeah, right. I mean, oh, actually, gotcha. in the suburbs now too, they're getting more good cocktail bars, but there's usually one. Yeah, in town. I mean, for me, it's such a scary time to be drinking cocktails right now, which is a whole separate subject. Uh, right. But essentially, every place feels obligated to have a cocktail menu, even if there's nobody on staff that can mm-hmm. execute it. You mean because they're so popular, but yeah. the the quality and talent isn't there. Correct. Yeah. I mean, if you can't open a bar or restaurant, I mean, unless it's a true dive bar. Or or, I mean, most especially restaurants, you can't open and not have a cocktail right. menu. Yeah. And uh, I mean, just from what I hear, you get a lot of people who have worked like a shift at a good New York bar and then a Hilton in the middle of nowhere is like, we're going to give you a cocktail bar. I see it all the time. I go to about like, a f- bit fewer this year, but traditionally I go to four or 500 cocktail bars worldwide a year. Holy shit. I think one thing that we didn't really get into enough is why people respond to it so strongly. Like, why mm-hmm. is it such a big success? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, it's the best possible Tinder date ever. It is. It, it really does go across. I mean, we don't have a specific customer. Mm-hmm. It's almost there. I think one of the reasons they're, they're successful is the age range is huge. Right. The diversity of our customers is huge. And you're getting people in. And I, I think the reason we've been successful compared to uh, this is talking to customers, because I actually work at the bars almost every night. If I'm traveling and visiting a miracle, I will get mm-hmm. out on the floor and help. Um, I'll, I work quite literally every day from now um, <laughs> until, oh including Christmas Day, wow. until the end of the year. But a lot of the customers who are so happy, like, well, because our product is also good. It's mm-hmm. just, yeah. it's fun and this is great. Right. And I came in because it was ridiculous and wait, that tastes amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're doing things like flips, which are, you know, drinks with eggs in them. Right. And uh, most of our customers based for Miracle have never had a flip before. I mean, of course, I explained them they probably had eggnog, which had eggs in it too. But yeah. in, in their mind, you know, they haven't had drinks with egg whites in them. And mm-hmm. so it's actually an experience. They learn a little something about cocktails and the drinks are delicious right that's crazy and you could take a date you could take a group yeah you could do an office hang yeah that's a lot of yeah we're we are <laughs> at one of our busiest hours is like 4 p.m oh on, on i'm a sure weekday. yeah like 4 p.m on tuesdays um and there's certain there's always a day of the year that you know is your busiest day of yeah the year. december 12th this year I can well, already tell we're already yep. full <laughs> Yep. Nostalgia is money these days, right? Or It is, and it's funny. It also came from a really... Uh, genuine place. Uh, yeah, genuine place, because this whole thing's based on my grandparents' yeah. basement in White Plains, New York, mm-hmm. and they built their house in the early 50s, and not a thing has changed. Yeah. And this is kind of what I remember, um, you know, in terms <laughs> of our Christmas, what was down there. And so it came from really trying to recreate, and I guess it resonates with enough people... If you are listening to the show, you probably have a Miracle Bar near you. So look it up and you'll find it and you can buy some cute mugs. Yeah, miraclepopup.com is the website which lists all the locations. There you go, Greg. But I'm sure you. they'll find a way to get it on a list that you will see oh, whether yeah. or not if you, you want to. Re- if you read Eater, we will, we will be covering this. So Greg, Excellent. thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me here today. We'll be right back with the biggest stories of the week.
on June 14th. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your team, Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello. I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going! Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14th. Get tickets now. It's time for the biggest stories of the week. We separate them all with the sound of a ding like this. Uh, you know what? We got our coffee. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. But first, actually, but first, Daniel. Yeah. I want to give a recommendation, a podcast recommendation to our listeners it is a show called Today Explained, made by our siblings over at Vox.com. They did an episode recently about the keto craze, yeah. which is near and dear to our hearts, especially your heart, mm-hmm. as a diet fad freak. Freak? That's not right. A mm. diet fad aficionado? Is that what you are? Sure. You follow them, you know them, you love them, you try them. Yeah. I've never been in ketosis. You know what? And, is, that, is that a goal of yours? It's not a goal, but I think... The fact that I could say that just shows how much I know about, how much more I know about the diet than 99% of people who are talking about it right now. (laughs) But if you listen to this episode of Today Explained, you, like Daniel, will know what ketosis means Mm -hmm. and whether or not you would like to be in that state. If you're our fan and you've been in ketosis, let me know. Email us at digestateater.com if you have been in ketosis. (laughs) And now the biggest stories of the week. (laughs) All right, Daniel. Yo. You know... Edible arrangements, I imagine. Yeah. Edible arrangements are kind of like, uh, they're a butt, they're the butt of a lot of jokes. Yeah, a lot of people look down on edible arrangements, yeah. but I think they they have their fans. They really do. Obviously. I mean, obviously, obviously but like their own like passionate defenders. Like, do we have to explain what edible arrangements are? Edible arrangements is a company that can send you fruit covered in chocolate instead of a flower arrangement. And not necessarily in chocolate. Right, right, right. You it's can a, just it's have... It's a flower arrangement. But it's fruit. But it's fruit. Fruit on sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoy them okay. in the right moment. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes I'll go home to Massachusetts, and my mom will have picked one up because of a coupon. And it's like, great, we have fruit covered in chocolate in our house. That's amazing. Nobody but, hates on fruit covered in chocolate. I mean, the thing is, the difference between them and flowers, and maybe this is the most obvious thing I'm ever going to say, is that once you start eating them, you know, you lose the decoration. <laughs> Yeah, but it doesn't doesn't look like much. (laughs) No, they're not pretty to begin with. Anyway, the story here for the Digest is they are now selling a line called Edibles, Mm -hmm. and they are CBD-infused edibles. So Arrangements? Nope. They come in little bags. They're not arranged? Not arranged, just edibles. But isn't the arranging their core competency? Yep. Wow. They're really just... Going for the wordplay here. Yeah. They're edible. like, oh, we have edible in our name. Let's get into CBD. Okay. And what? maybe eventually THC. Oof. That's yeah. why I feel like everybody who's getting into CBD is doing is like getting the pathway going for when THC is legal. Right. What's the story? It includes chocolate dipped strawberries and chocolate dipped apple bites, as well as smoothies and baked goods. They're available in Dallas, but they're going to be in 200 stores around the country by the end of the year. Edibles, TM, hemp, CBD. Is Good for them for getting the trademark on that. Oh, yeah. Is so authentic, we can trace our CBD oil from farm to smoothie with 100% accuracy. Yeah. 
congrats. But like, I think this speaks to why I super don't care about this, mm-hmm. and that's and that is because I'm not like a huge CBD fan. But I want CBD from the place that specializes in CBD. You know, I don't want some organization that has done a completely different thing for a long time and happens to have a good word play on words to get invested in CBD. I just don't try. I'm not like. I kind who of want the, a, d- a degree though? of medicine, you know, a degree <laughs> of mm. medical or, or pharmaceutical professionalism. When is that a thing? I feel like a lot of these CBD people are but just at like least randos. Lie to me. At least I don't care. Well, listen to this: edibles hemp CBD is used in research studies conducted by major universities in North America. They're putting time into this baby. They are. <laughs> they're they're putting time into this baby. Do you think that this is going to you, your mother, yeah. as you just said, uh-huh. likes to I'm buy? Mom. Uh, edible arrangements Every because once in a while. Yep. they come in with coupon. Mm-hmm. Um, she loves a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that this is going to throw her off? Um, like, is she going to be less interested in edible arrangements no. now because they're getting into this world? Do you think that CBD has completely shed its stigma? Like, do you think that CBD, as far as like parents and like you know wholesome people are concerned, is completely devoid of weed, or is it still seen by some people as like? Like you would, you wouldn't be thrilled to find out that your kid was like taking CBD. I think it still has a stigma. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to give another plug. Yeah. To today explained, they did a great episode on CBD. Right. Yeah. And how people maybe shouldn't just be trusting everything just that like says it has CBD in it. Just like edible arrangements, you think you're coming to the digest for mm-hmm. food stories, but really what you're coming for is to hear plugs for today explained. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But if I'm gonna trust anyone yeah. with dosing my my edible product with it's CBD, it's people who I'm super accurately cut out fruit yes. and put them on sticks because they got the trademark to the word edibles, and can their I, yeah. CBD oil is tested in North American universities. Yeah, can I tell you how disgustingly swayed I am by the fact that it's tested by North American mm-hmm. universities? <laughs> I'm like, all of a sudden, wow, they're cool. They've hired doctors. Yeah, they're they're really. T- taking this seriously. Yeah. I just think if I'm edible arrangements, like I respect it, but I think that at this point they're rolling the dice again. They rolled it once putting fruit into baskets <laughs> and they're rolling it again because I think this could jeopardize the whole operation. Really no. crumble the empire for them. They're just diversifying their business. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, I just hope that people who go in there looking for a beautifully elegantly arranged basket of strawberries are not going to be thrown off by the fact that they're now dealing drugs. Maybe they realized through customer surveys that a great majority of their customers are stoned. We're not chill. <laughs> <laughs> We're super stoned. Yeah. And so they're trying to reach that demographic. I don't think that any of their customers were stoned. What? I think yeah, you'd need a rich stoner to buy one of these ironically. I think that these are gifts bought by wholesome non-stoners. Mm, I think they have a more diverse user base than you imagine. Yeah. But you know what? That's uh, that's your opinion. <laughs> and we're not going to go ask. <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniel, this week, President Trump threatened to levy a 100% tariff on French wines and cheeses, which is so intense. That's I insane. I think it's just a threat, but to like, you know, as a negotiating tactic, and maybe we'll get what we want. But it's what do you pretty, want? I mean, what the United <laughs> States technically wants. If you want to get into it, France is levying a 3% tax on a lot of American companies, like our big tech companies. Yeah. And our administration does not like that. And so they are threatening 100% tariffs on French cheese and wine. Yeah. Uh, I love the idea that, that like, 
that no research went into this and Trump just decided like 100%. that's what he knew that's what he knew what what does France do oh that's like the cheese and Champagne. wine country yeah yeah he's like how much eh, let's you know let's do 100% i would say that this is an empty threat except in the summertime he levied a 25% tax yeah. on french wine already yeah. and that has gone through yeah oof i also as he's a, a, a notorious uh, non-drinker mm mm-hmm. mhm and uh, you yeah, know what? This, like the wine. this what you know what this makes me think is huh. that he is probably not a fan of cheese. Maybe you he know, doesn't like French cheese because I don't. Maybe think, not. Yeah. Luckily, we have enough enough other great wine, so we're fine. But I do feel <laughs> bad when I was reading about this last month. I saw a story on NPR about this company in Florida mm-hmm. that has gotten around the twenty five percent tariff because cool. they, they're importing bulk wine from France. Yeah. And if it's in bulk, it's not at the bottle stage, you're fine. Cool. So he's just getting in gallons and gallons and gallons of wine yeah. and then bottling it in Florida and then selling it. That's that's really awesome. Mm-hmm. He didn't even think about the tariffs. This was just because he was trying to capitalize on our love of French rosé. Yeah. So he stumbled around them. Stumbled yep. around the tariffs. You love it. Exactly. Are they coming in in giant shipping containers? Probably not, because they probably <clears throat> have to be temperature controlled in some way. Steiner's company is importing wine in 20 or 40 foot shipping containers with a giant pouch inside. <laughs> Think of the world's largest wine in a box. Oh. The tax only applies to wine bottles two liters or less in size. You know what this reminds me of? Quick plug. Um, the, tabas- the way that Tabasco is grown. Uh-huh. And I know this because I You just went there. I went there. Oh my gosh. Video, Tell me all about it. A video of me admiring and finding out the way that Tabasco is made on youtube.com slash eater. Is it up? It will be oh. when this is up. Okay, good. I was gonna yeah. say I haven't seen it yet. But the way that Tabasco is made, they actually grow peppers on Avery Island, which is south of New Orleans, mm-hmm. and then they choose their favorite peppers and then they just extract the seeds. And then they send the seeds all around the world, or South America and some parts of Africa, to be grown. And then they're grown, ground up, and then they're sent back to Avery Island to be processed. Why? But they also come in huge shipping containers. Like it, like oh, it looks like a giant waterbed inside a shipping container filled <clears throat> with Tabasco. Or it's not, because it's cheaper to grow there. Because they don't have enough space. Mm. Yeah, it's cheaper to grow outside of America in mm-hmm. terms of the cost of farming. Mm-hmm. But also, they don't have enough space on Avery Island to grow all of the peppers wow. there. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. I mean, if not that this segment is not about Tabasco, but I think what's extra, now it is now, now it is. What's extra interesting about it is the they are so obsessed with making sure that the product is exactly the same year over year. And they know that the peppers grown in different parts of the world have a different, slightly different profile. Mm -hmm. So in order to keep the consistency in the main product, they mix the different countries together. Oh, yeah. I assume they just put it all in a big blender. No, no, no. No, like they'll, Colombia is extra sharp or something, Mm -hmm. so they mix Mm -hmm. it with like Uruguay or something. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah, it's not a giant blender. (laughs) Effectively, it's Uh a giant blender, Uh uh but it's not, it's... (laughs) It's a little more exact than that. Yeah. But anyway, good for the guy for importing boxed wine. Mm -hmm. It's amazing the things that go in shipping containers. That's what, you know, if you leave the segment with anything, it's just like, dude, shipping containers are wild. Wild. Yeah. A lot of things move around in those things. Mm -hmm. Um, Some good, some bad. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not get into that. No. (laughs) All right, Amanda, I, I don't, you know what? I hope this is the last time we say chicken sandwich on the show, but McDonald's is releasing a chicken sandwich and, and, and... 
that is not necessarily what's interesting about this story. But um, McDonald's is releasing a chicken sandwich to compete with the legendary Popeye's chicken sandwich. Can I just stop you and say, you know, they have a chicken sandwich. Yeah, sorry. They're releasing a new chicken sandwich with a butter roll and with pickles, and it's a spicy mm-hmm. chicken sandwich. It is a, mm-hmm. it, yeah, it is an attack, or not an attack, but it is a, it meant to um, siphon off some of the market share from this, sure. from this Popeye's hero that they've created. Um, but what I found interesting about this story is it dredged up a lot of information about McDonald's franchise holders and about Popeye's success. One, Popeye's had their best quarter in two decades. Sure. Not surprising. Mm-hmm. Guess what kind of same store sales spike they had? Oof. 50? 10%. Oh. Just to remind you that, you know what? We <laughs> mm-hmm. hear so much about a thing. It's like, it's amazing that, like, it. It's huge, mm-hmm. but it, you know, like it's 10%. Not, 10%. I mean, yeah. it's massive, but also that's their best quarter in two decades. Yeah. So we're talking about like minuscule percentage points with these with these companies. Well, not minuscule. 10. I mean, 10 is huge. Yeah, 10 is pretty big. But like that is the greatest surge they've had in two <coughs> decades. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. Good for them. McDonald's franchisees have asked for a Southern style chicken sandwich. <laughs> In a July letter, franchisees wrote, JFK called for a man on the moon. Our call should be a category-leading chicken sandwich. Wow. I have to say the chicken sandwich at McDonald's is abysmal. It's so bad. Yeah. I recently had one. Yeah. It's so bad. Yeah. What they I just to talk- can't yeah. do it. They don't, they don't do well. nuggets. Amazing. Amazing. Supreme. But that- The best. Best in class. Yeah. And you know what? That's another further reminder that Popeye's has had nugget or chicken strips forever. Yep. They didn't, you know, they didn't smash. They weren't, I mean, they're a consistent Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. But, um, but didn't have that same buzz. What this made me think about is imagine being a McDonald's franchise holder. Think about it all the time. You do? <laughs> yes. Just put yourself in those or shoes. Or being in their like executive marketing team and being like, ah, how do we, no, how do we get our chicken sandwich? For real. They're yeah. like, what do we need to do? We have the world's top scientists, flavor engineers. Right. Somebody just make me a goddamn make delicious chicken sandwich. Make me a goddamn chicken sandwich. chicken sandwich. It shouldn't be that. I mean, it's hard. It's hard. But it shouldn't be that. It's pretty hard. Yeah, it's hard. But it shouldn't be that hard, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like it took, I mean- Shake Shack, obviously, which is um, probably like the most successful new fast food chain uh-huh. in a long time. It's got a good chicken sandwich. Great chicken sandwich. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. But when they were flirting with the idea of nuggets, they, they'd always Ooh, said, yeah. we're going to do nuggets. We're going to do nuggets. We're going to do nuggets. And they rolled them out in New York at their little experimental place. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people had different opinions on this, but I think the general consensus was at first they sucked. Mm-hmm. And then they slowly started working away and yeah. then they got in there. <clears throat> and and that is only to say that I think I'm wrong. And actually, these things are not that easy. No, I mean, I'm just surprised that it took this to give a wake up call to McDonald's. Well, because their yeah. chicken sandwich has just been so bad for so long. Yeah. Yeah, they've been spinning their wheels for a bit. You know, they went healthy. They cut back on healthy. They mm-hmm. doubled down on their regular all burger. All day breakfast. All day breakfast. They tried that out. That you know what? They've really been trying it. They been, lost their CEO recently. Yeah, they sure did. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, you know, it it hasn't been a great time for them. But I think it's just like they're just sitting there, like, wow, so much is going wrong for us. 
And then just watch another company just hit it with a chicken. They're like, whoa, so all we needed was like a cool new chicken sandwich. I will say, though, that <laughs> I, I think don't. they know how complicated that was. Well, but I think and that. And how lucky it was. Popeye's was in a, a unique position to have a blockbuster uh, media darling. Like McDonald's is the front runner and kind of like the juggernaut mm -hmm. and maybe doesn't have maybe is not seen in the best light. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone would cheer for a McDonald's sandwich in the same way. Uh, you'd be surprised. You think so? Yeah. If there's a good fast food item, people yeah. will just go nuts for it. I see what you're saying, mm -hmm. but I think that nothing could command as much like fanfare and genuine affection at McDonald's, even if it was the same. Yeah, I think food. people like to like Popeyes more than they like to like McDonald's. But yeah. if something is very good, it's undeniable. <laughs> you can't stop it. <laughs> you can't so, fight it. So you know it. what? Hey, McDonald's franchisees, keep writing letters. It's not keep, over keep for you. Keep doing your thing. Because your scientists are letting you down. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, please tell one friend about it. If you have any questions or thoughts or feedback for Daniel and for me, please send us an email at digestateater.com. Special thank you to Beth McKibben and to Greg Boehm for talking about holiday bars. Thank you to you, Daniel. Oh. And to our producer, Martha Daniel. Your favorite Daniels. The two Daniels. <laughs>